Are you ready for the word today? About a quarter of you. We'll get the rest of you as we go along, all right? Luke chapter 4 is where we're going to be reading today. Luke 4 and 16. We read this last week as we began this series. And it says this, So he came to Nazareth, speaking of Jesus, where he had been brought up. And as his custom was, he, stood into the, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up to read. And he was handed the book of the prophet Isaiah. And when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the recovery of the sight to the blind. To set at liberty those who are oppressed. To proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Everybody say, best year ever. And then he closed the book, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. And the eyes of all who were in the synagogue were fixed on him. And he began to say to them, Today the scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Everybody say fulfilled. Fulfilled. How many are ready for some fulfillment in your life? I ain't talking about satisfaction, okay? Because you all know what the man said. I can't get no. Right? And you know, Mick was right because you can't. You can't. However, I do believe that God wants us walking in fulfillment. I'm not talking about satisfaction because satisfaction is only satisfied until the next time. Matter of fact, I'm going to be eating today thinking about the next time I'm going to be eating. (laughs) Amen. I'm talking about fulfillment where you've had a dream, where you have had a plan, you've had a strategy where you've put in the hard work, where you have had a prophetic word spoken over you, that is fulfilled. That's the kind of fulfillment I'm talking about. I'm believing that this is going to be the best year ever because so many of you and us are going to step into some fulfillment in our lives. If you're in agreement with that and you want that, just say amen. amen. If, you're, if your neighbor did that, not amen, amen for them right now. Amen. Fulfillment. And so I want to talk today about what I believe is a formula for fulfillment. Now, my goal was to get through all of this, but the nine o'clock showed me that I'm not going to. And so we're going to start this today. We're going to continue it over next week. And who knows, we may just keep on rolling. Uh, The formula for fulfillment. We started talking last week and we started off with that first passage, the very first thing Jesus says. Now, remember, Jesus is declaring his ministry. He's stepping up. This is the first time you hear him talk about what he's called to do. And the very first thing he says is, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. If you were not here last week, I would encourage you to go to uh, online and listen to last week where we talked about this passage of scripture and what it means. The spirit of the Lord being on us. He starts off with this before he says anything else he's going to do. It is imperative that you and I have the Holy Spirit working in our lives. And I'm not just talking about a one-time work of regeneration at salvation. I'm talking about the progressive day-to-day work of the Holy Spirit in your life. 
Last week uh, when I walked out in the lobby, I had three types of people, which every group of people has these three types of people. I had my conservatives, I had my liberals, and I had my moderates, you know. And, but everybody was saying the same thing, at least to my face. Maybe behind my back they were saying something else. But to my face, one group that came to me and said, I was raised, we were never taught about the Holy Spirit. Like, we just didn't know much about it. Like, we were, we were scared of the Holy Spirit. If that's you, if that's how you were raised, just raise your hand. And still a little bit maybe, just a little bit, yeah. Uh, and, and then you have the group of people that not only heard about it, but heard too much about it, Right? Like, that's all people talked about. And he got connected with legalism and cray-cray people. And, and y'all know what I'm talking about, right? If that was you, raise your hand. Yeah? And then you got the moderates that were kind of in the middle. If that's you, raise your hand. Like, what y'all want to do? All right, we'll go. Okay, I'm with you. Well, I, I just want to say, no matter where you line up in that, it is God's will that the Holy Spirit is working in your life. That's God's will. Matter of fact, I think it's a, it is, it is a, I don't know that you can, no, I do know, you cannot live a fulfilled and God called abundant life without the Holy Spirit doing a daily work in your life. So I want to encourage you over these next 14 days to let this be your prayer. Lord, let the Holy Spirit do the progressive work in my life. Last week, we talked about these four points that the Holy Spirit gives life. We see this at Jesus' birth. The Holy Spirit falls. We see this at his baptism. The Holy Spirit fills. This is after his baptism. And then the Holy Spirit empowers us. This is after the wilderness. How many of you want to have the Holy Spirit's power working in your life? I'm ready for it. I want more. I want it more than I've ever had it before. I was raised in this. I mean, I, I, was, I was raised a Pentecostal preacher, uh, a son of a Pentecostal preacher. We heard about it all of our life. But I'm telling you, I want more of the Holy Spirit in my life than I've ever had before. And I'm telling you, when you start asking for him, he shows up. He can't help but show up because he wants to be a part of our life. And so last week, Our study is in in Luke 4, but last week we went back and we looked at Luke 1, 2, 3. We looked at the backstory because I've always, I know this and you know this to be true. There's always more to the story than the story, right? Something led up to this. So today I want to start unpacking this a little bit more. What leads up to Jesus being able to say, this is the acceptable year of the Lord? Because I know we all want that. We want the best year ever. But what steps did Jesus take, does Jesus take to get to that place where he can say, this is the acceptable year of the Lord? What does it take for him to be able to say, today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing? And I want to talk today about the formula for fulfillment. And I'm going to start with number one. The first step, the first phase is this, identification. If you're taking notes, write that down. If you're not taking notes, just tell someone to take notes for you and say, I'll buy your lunch if you'll just take notes. Identification, to be identified. And I could spend spend a long time on this. Matter of fact, at the beginning of our church, I spent, I think, 24 weeks teaching on identity because it's my life message. It's what God's called me to do. Uh, Two things, to to be an encourager and to help people step into their identity. I know that's what God's called me to do. And so uh, I want to to read this. Uh, Look, Luke chapter 3 
and verse 21, identification. And when all the people were being baptized, Jesus was baptized too. And as he was praying, heaven was opened. And the Holy Spirit descended on him in a bodily form like a dove. And a voice came from heaven and said this, You are my son whom I love with you. I am well pleased. Let me say this. We could, I could just get up for the next three weeks and just read that passage of Scripture and us just go to Shoney's yeah. <laughs> or Burger Up or wherever it is that you want to go, okay? Literally, I could get up and stand up here and go, you're my child, I love you, I'm pleased with you. That's the Word of God. God bless y'all. We'll see you next Sunday. We're going to do the same thing again. Yeah. Amen? Yeah. Identification is the first step and I believe is the most important step because if you don't know who you are, you don't know what you can do. Most of us focus so much on the what we're supposed to do instead of focusing on who we are. The baptism of Jesus Christ represents the anointing. Okay, so I want you to write that down, the anointing. That represents the anointing. Now, if you backtrack, the birth of Jesus represents the appointing. So you can write down appointing of Jesus, that's birth, and then the anointing of Jesus, that's baptism. Of course, we know that Jesus was appointed long before he was born. Amen? The angels said the one that's going to be born is the Savior. He is the Messiah. He is the King. So he was appointed before he was born. The same thing with you. Jeremiah, the, the Lord told Jeremiah, before you were born, I appointed you to be a prophet to the nations. I want to tell you the same thing. Before he even began to knit you into your, in your mama's belly, he had already appointed you to a purpose in your life. So when you start feeling like, was I a mistake? Did I mess? Well, blah, blah, blah. Remember this. God appointed you before you were even born. Now, the difference in being appointed to something and never fulfilling it is understanding that God doesn't just appoint us to something, He anoints us for something. So Jesus is appointed at birth, but then at baptism, He is anointed. Again, we know that He was anointed long before that, but this is an example for you and I, where there is this time and place where He is anointed, and that is represented at baptism, where suddenly there is a voice from heaven that says, you are mine. Now, I know everybody thinks that you're Joseph's and that you're Mary's, but you are mine. And when God says you're mine, he's also saying you've been set aside for my purposes. The word anointing is really an Old Testament term. And when they would take the utensils that were used for the tabernacle and they would anoint them. They would set them aside 
for God's use. These were only used in the temple and the tabernacle of God. Same thing would happen when there was a special person or an individual. There would be this anointing that would be placed upon them. Like a guy named David. How many know the guy named David I'm talking about? You know, he's the guy that was paired up with a guy named Goliath, all right? It's that David right there. Let me tell you the story of David. One reason I like paralleling Jesus and David is because they're in the same lineage, because there's a lot of types and shadows that correlate with them. So David is this incredible young man who is submitted to his father. Now, David knows that he's got something special on him. He knows it. There's no doubt in my mind that he knows there's something special on him. And yet, David's father tells him, you're going to tend the sheep. Way out there, you're going to take care of the sheep. You're going to be a shepherd. Now, the Bible tells us that while David was there, that he's practicing his songs. While he's there, he's practicing his sling. He doesn't know about Goliath, but God knows about Goliath. And so a bear shows up so he can practice the sling. And a lion shows up so he can practice the sling. Maybe that's a word for someone right now. Why is that mess showing up in your life? Yeah. (laughs) If I was a preacher, I'd preach that right there. The Bible says that God speaks to the prophet Samuel. And he says, Samuel, I want you to go to Jesse's house because the next king of Israel is there. So Samuel shows up at at Jesse's house. Now, in those days, when the prophet showed up, it was a big deal. I mean, everybody came together. The, they, 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 they killed animals. They, they cooked. It was a feast. It was a big deal. I'm kind of expecting that same thing to happen right now. Like when the preacher shows up at your house, I just fully expect you just to go ahead and make a big old honking meal. And I'm joking. I'm teasing. But it was a big deal. You understand? It was a big deal. And yet, David is not even at the party. Why? Because his daddy had told him to tend the sheep. There's something powerful about being submitted to what you're appointed to, even when you know you're called to something more. All right? And you see this thing about David's life is as long as he was submitted to his seasons, everything worked out. Write that down. Submit to your seasons. So David says, right now, I'm called to be a shepherd. That's what I'm supposed to do. I'm not called to be a warrior yet. I'm not called to be a king yet. I'm not anointed for that. This is what my daddy appointed me to do. Right here, right now. And so Jesse shows up, and he he sees all the Bible says he sees these good-looking guys. He's like, they're strong and tall, and man, they'd be great leaders, and He says, surely God has chosen one of these guys. It goes down the whole list and God hadn't chosen any of them. Matter of fact, Samuel's like, this gotta be this one right here. I mean, this would be a great candidate for king, Lord. Please make him king. Nothing. Matter of fact, the Lord kind of chides Samuel and he says, you're looking on the outside, I look on the heart. And there happens to be a boy in the pasture that has a heart like mine. That's the one I want. Now, that's powerful to me that the one that was going to be chosen to be king wasn't even at the place of anointing because he was so submitted to his father. Wow. 
So don't come telling me that God's called you to do something and it allows you to be rebellious. Wrong. I don't even want to hear it, so don't come talk to me about that. Look at your neighbor and say, Pastor preaching. (laughs) Well, God gave me a word. Okay, great. About the Holy Spirit. Okay, great. But are you submitted to your season? Because that's the only way you move in blessing and power. Amen? And then the word of the Lord comes, go get David. Y'all still with me? Remember, we're talking about identification, all right? So they go get David. They pull him in. Here he comes. Not, didn't have a chance to get cleaned up. Just smelled like sheep poo-poo and everything. Just showing up. All oh, straggly. Been out in the middle of the... Of the he said poo-poo. Yeah, I did. That's right. <laughs> That's the Greek version of what I was going to say, but I decided <laughs> not to. Just scraggly and shows up and the prophet says, this is him. This is the guy right here. And watch this. It's on the screen. It should come up on the screen behind me. 1 Samuel 16, 13. Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brothers. And the spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day forward. We'll come back to that verse. I want to give you three points about that moment right there. The anointing. We're talking about identification. Having a moment in your life where you are identified as God's child. Here's what happens. Number one, your anointing confirms your identity to you. Your anointing confirms your identity to you. How many of you have given your heart to Jesus Christ and you are a son or a daughter of him? Raise your hand. All right, how many can I put it down? How many can tell me that the day that you gave your heart to the Lord, suddenly some things made sense for you? That void that you felt, that thing that you could never fulfill, that thing that that gnawing man, I wish wonder what that's what is what is this? I feel like ah, it's that thing, and suddenly there's this confirmation. Okay, this is who I really am. Jesus is baptized. And when he comes up out of the water, the Bible says that the heavens are ripped. One translation said, the heavens are ripped open. It's like God can't wait. I've been waiting 30 years to tell you this. And a voice from heaven says, you are my boy. I love you. I'm pleased with you. Come on, how many of you need to hear something like that from your heavenly father? I know y'all got daddy issues. Come on. You got mama issues and sister issues and mother-in-law issues and uncle issues and aunt issues and grandpa issues and principal issues and coach issues and boss issues and spouse issues and HOA issues and police issues. And we all got them, don't we? Everything changes. When you hear your heavenly father tell you who you really are, not what society said you are, not what your neighborhood or culture or church said you are, but what your heavenly father speaks over you. Amen. How about this section over here? Would you amen with that? Amen. Come on. Your anointing confirms your identity to you. You know that Jesus knew who he was. Come on, you know when the rabbi was reading through Isaiah, he'd be like, that's me. The guy he's talking about, that's me. 
I mean, he wrote it. Obviously, he knew it was what he was going to say, right? That's me. You know that Mary told him when she rocked him at night? Mary, did you know? Of course I know, and I'm telling him. (laughs) You mean, do I know? An angel came. Yes, I know. Quit singing it already. Good Lord. (laughs) Unless you pay tithes on the royalties, and you can sing it as much as you want. Is that one of your songs, Ron? Oh, dang it. Just right here, just... I just got to tell you something, baby. An angel came and you're the one. Neo, you're the one. (laughs) No, really, you're the one. You're special. You're chosen. You're called. But even though you read it in the scripture and heard his mama tell him, it wasn't enough. At some point, he had to hear the Heavenly Father say, You're my boy. I'm pleased with you. I love you. And if Jesus had to have that, how much more do we need to hear that? And yet we just go through life seeking affirmation from everybody and everything else. Would you please like what I posted? Do you, do, how do I look? What do I, on and on and on. And the whole time, we have a Heavenly Father that's looking at us and saying, Hey, I'm the one that put you here. I love you. I'm pleased with you. You're mine. Some of you, when I talk about, uh, talk about a heavenly father, you have this disconnect because you didn't have a good relationship with your father. You don't really respect your father. You don't understand your father. You don't have a connection. I'm not talking about your father. I'm talking about your heavenly father who doesn't do anything wrong, doesn't mess up, loves you no matter what you've done or no matter what you have not done. Jesus had not performed one miracle. He hadn't shed one drop of blood. And yet the Father says, I love you. You're mine. I'm pleased with you. Say it with me. I'm his. He loves me. He's pleased with me. Boy, and that three things right there, just to receive that, write that on your mirror. Make it look back at you every day. The anointing confirms your identity to you. Suddenly, things make sense when you have that moment. Oh, I always thought I was just weird. Well, you may still be weird, but it's okay. Because now you know why you're weird. Because you're wired that way. The second thing is the anointing reveals your identity to others. And David was anointed in the midst of his... Brothers, the Bible says. We just read it. There was a reason Samuel anointed him in the midst because he wanted all these guys that were better looking than him and more educated and probably stronger, maybe more talented to know. None of that matters. This is God's boy right here. See the oil dripping off of him? That, that's God's boy right there. Matter of fact, you'll see the same thing. We read in Luke chapter 4 that at the baptism that there's a voice from heaven that says, you're my son, I'm pleased. But Matthew says there's a voice from heaven that says, this is my boy and I'm pleased with him. That means when God calls you to do something, he doesn't just let you know, he lets other people around you know. That's why it's important for you to be around people that connect with that and that will not just tolerate you, but celebrate you. That wasn't me. That was a T.D. Jakes line, but I thought it fit right there. 
Amen? That's why it's important to be around people that are going to speak truth to you, but they're also going to rejoice with you when you start stop stepping into what God has really called you to do. Now, some of those people are not going to understand it. You'll have certain people when you have that moment in your life that are, yeah, let's go, I'm with you. You'll have other people go, what, you too good for us now? Oh, Mr. Super Spiritual now? We're going to talk about that in the next couple of weeks because one way to have your best year ever is knowing how to deal with those people that don't celebrate you and how to find people that will celebrate you. So keep coming. We may get to that in March, but we're going to get there. (laughs) The anointing confirms your identity to you. The anointing reveals your identity to others. And thirdly, the anointing becomes a time and a place for you to remember. It's this moment that you can always go back to. It's the moment that represents the day that God called you to be His, and you know it. It's the moment where God said, I know they call you Joseph's son, and I know they see you as being a a good boy around the town, but I want you to know your mind. Every great person in the Bible has this moment. Every person that you follow and you go, man, that's incredible. You look at a guy named Jacob whose name is changed to Israel because of a time where God anoints him. You look at a guy named Simon who turns into the apostle Peter. You get a guy named Saul whose name is changed to Paul. You look at Abram who becomes Abraham and Sarah who becomes Sarah. There's an identity change at that moment where God says, I know you thought you know who you were, but I'm going to tell you who you really are. And let me tell you something, you need that moment. Because it all feels good right now, right? We're all together and you're sitting next to somebody and you're like, God's called you to be great and He loves you. Yeah, I feel it. I feel it. And on Monday, I feel it. On Tuesday, I feel a little less. And Wednesday, I don't even know. Thursday, who am I? What am I doing? Oh. Right? Amen? That's why it's so important to have a place to go back to. That you can go back to that spot and go, I know y'all don't know what I felt and what happened, but I was there, and I know. Life is coming at me, but I know what God called me to do. The Bible says that the Spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day forward. As soon as he was anointed, the Spirit of the Lord came upon him. He became a different person. He was changed. And you'll find David in his mind always going back to that point. One of my favorite passages of Scripture, it's not going to be on the screen today, but if you've been around the hills, you've heard me quote it. Probably my favorite passage of Scripture. I preached one of my first messages on it about 30 years ago. 1 Samuel 17, 48, and it says this, that when David drew near toward Goliath, that he ran toward the entire Philistine army. You know, it wasn't just Goliath coming out after. He had a whole army behind him. And yet the scripture says, here comes David with a sling. Running after not just Goliath, which is formidable, right? When you say Goliath, it'll be big enough. Not just Goliath, it says he runs after the entire army. Are you crazy or conceited or both? Neither. I'm convinced. How are you so convinced? 
because I can take you back to a day that an old man poured oil over me and said, you are anointed to be king while I was still a shepherd. And so I'm not king yet. So Goliath, you're standing between me and what God's anointed me to do. So I'll take on you. Remember, I'll take on all y'all. Get the Philistines, the Amorites, the Hittites, the Parasites. Get them all. Jebusite, get them. Bring every one of them. I will take on all y'all at the same time. That's why I believe that's why David wrote, I can run through a troop and leap over a wall. It's like you're not going to stand in between me and what God's called me to be. Not because I'm good enough, but because God said I was anointed to do that. So if you have a calling on your life that you have not fulfilled yet, you need to be reminded that every day nothing can stop me if God's called me to do it. Mic drop. We just got to get a mic for me to drop at some point. Those of you listening by audio, I just literally dropped a live mic, okay? And it didn't make any sound. <laughs> we need a place that we can go back to. You need that spot that you can go back to that says, this is the place I was changed. This is the place I was converted. This is the place I was transformed. Listen to me. Every single person in this room Needs to have a moment. And I, stay, I said this when we were 16 people in our living room. And I've said this when we were 20 people in, the, in a fellowship hall around the corner here. I'm going to say it again. Every single person needs to have something happen to them that they can't explain but they can't deny. Young people, old people, married people, single people, listen to me. We need something to happen to us that we can't say. I don't know what that was, but it was. Now, it's not going to be out of, out of the Bible. There's going to be biblical reference for it. It's going to be scriptural. But there needs to be something that happens to you that you go, I oh, don't, man, I could never, how? And let me just say something to you. Don't judge your moment of anointing by someone else's. Because it's so easy to look at what God does in someone else's life and you don't see that happen in your life. You're like, I don't know if I'm good enough. No, God does it differently for different people. But I will say this, it's going to be something that you could not do on your own. For some of you, it's going to be a dream. For some of you, it's going to be the Holy Spirit just coming up on you as you're riding in the car and you begin to sob uncontrollably. For some of you, you're going to see the gifts of the Spirit evident in your life and are the fruit of the Spirit. Whatever it is, don't limit what God's wanting to do in your life. If you've never had that moment, I want you to commit to the next 14 days. Y'all come play, so I'll quit talking. Come on. I want you to commit to the next 14 days. The next 14 days, I want you to commit to saying, God, I want you to, I, I want to have that anointing moment in my life. I want to know. For those of you that have had that moment, if, that, if you've had that moment, raise your hand. You know, I could take you back to the plot. I could take, and for some of us, it's multiple moments. Like every time God's done something new in my life, another moment has happened. And I can take you back. But I can take you back to that one moment. There's, whoa, that was it. Raise your hand if you can take me back to it. I want to encourage you on Thursday, take yourself back to it. Go back. 
And when the enemy starts attacking you or you start questioning or you temptation, go back to that moment and go, wait a minute. God said this. God called me to do this. Let's go. If you've never had that moment, I'm praying that somebody has that moment today. We had folks at nine o'clock, just boom, happening all over the place. People just walking up going, yeah, I got it. Let's go. And you can see just a change on them, a new person. Close your eyes. I want to pray for you. Thank you, Jesus, for what you're doing in our church, God. You can feel it, a groundswell. You can feel it, a move of the Holy Spirit. You can feel it as we're, as we're seeking for more of you. You're giving us more of you. I pray for the people in this room right now that have had that moment of anointing where God has called them to do something special and yet they find themselves questioning that. They're making choices in their life. They're not stepping out on some things. God, I pray today that you would bring it fresh all over again, that they would be reminded all over again what you anointed them to do and who you've anointed them to be. I'm talking about people in this room, God, that can change this city. People in this room that can change this church, that can change their family if they'll just step into everything you've called them to do already. And I pray for those today, God, that have never had that moment. They've never had that moment that they can say, oh my goodness, I felt like the heavens opened up. I felt the heavens open up. I, I don't know what that was, but man, it happened. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I want to see the hands of those of you that want more of Jesus than you've ever had before. Raise your hand. Come on up high. I want more of him. All right? I want you to do me a favor. I want you to raise that other hand. Maybe you've never raised one hand in church, much less two. Come on, just raise them up. And I want you to open up your mouth and I want you to say this out loud. I want you to say, Jesus, I want more of you. Come on, I want more of you. Come on, Holy Spirit. Fill me. Follow me. Baptize me. I want everything you have for me. I want that moment that changes everything. Yes. It's your breath in our lungs. So we pour out our praise. We pour out our praise. It's your breath in our lungs. So we pour It's your breath and our love. Come on, sing it. So we, yeah. make a fresh start with Jesus Christ, to join the numerous people over the past four weeks and over the past year.
to make a fresh start with Jesus. And here's what that means. That means you've never committed your life to Jesus Christ. I mean, fully and completely. And today you want to do that. Or it means that you have before, but it's gotten stale. It's not fresh. And you want to recommit your life to Jesus. You want a a do-over, a start-over. The Bible says he makes all things new and the old has passed away. If that's you today, with nobody looking around, we're not going to make you do anything except this, just as a sign of obedience and faith. Would you raise your hand right now and just say, I want to make a fresh start with Jesus. Up high. Come on, I see you. That's awesome. I prayed for you today. Come on, keep it up. Hold it up. Keep it up there, right up here up front. Yeah, that's awesome. In the back, I see you. Thank you, Lord. I see you over here. That's awesome. All right, come on. Let's stand, everybody. Come on, stand up. Come on, stand up. Let's go. Bring those lights up. Let me see the faces. My goodness. My goodness. I want you to raise that right hand again. And I want every single person in the room to repeat after me. Say, Lord Jesus, thank you for giving me everything that you have. I accept it freely. Forgive me of my sins. Cover me with your blood. Fill me with your spirit. And when I say fill me with your spirit, I mean it. Come on, everybody say, I want all of it. Overflowing. Baptize me. I want the gifts of the Spirit. I want the fruit of the Spirit. I want freedom in the mighty name of Jesus. And everybody say amen. Come on, shout amen.